it's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the Stinking Truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Stink Truth Podcast. I'm on remote. Uh, I'm on the road. Uh, myself, Mark Schlereth, alongside my partner, Mike Evans. Thank you so much for being with us and downloading and doing all the things that you do. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am good. Good. How are you? You're still in uh, D.C. after yeah. calling... Yeah. Commanders and Dolphins. Yeah. Well, when it rains in D.C., they pretty much shut down Reagan. So um, <laughs> there was no getting out last night. So, I mean, I spent probably an hour on the phone trying to find a different, you know, different way out of this area because uh, it was kind of raining and fogged and socked in a little bit. Um, and eventually I just gave up and went back to the hotel because my room was still here and uh, hunkered down, watched uh, – Watch the Eagles. Thank goodness, man. Thank goodness, Mike. The Eagles played at home. Otherwise, that'd have been a real ass kicking. Uh, oh, oh man. Um, yeah, Philly. I told you so. So yeah. Uh, listen, listen. I, I, I give tell you so. I, I, I give you a lot of grief about your unabashed San Francisco love, Shanahan mm-hmm. love. It's not a San Francisco love. It's a Shanahan love. But got to give you your props, man. They. That was special, man. That was yeah. impressive. That was impressive, and you saw it coming. Yeah. Well, why? Why I were you mean, so? Why were you so confident? Why were you so confident that this kind of result would uh, would occur? I just have watched enough San Francisco to know how well coached they are, how good they are. You know how how their team just just really fits, and they're and they're really you know they lost a couple of games there without Debo Samuel. They lost a couple of games along the way. Um, where they had some injuries. I know Christian McCaffrey at one point pulled his oblique a little bit. So um, they had a a faltering there where they weren't getting very many sacks. The defense wasn't creating. Um, But they addressed those things. They adjusted those things. They got some players healthy, and um, they're just outstanding. I I still think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best, if not the best, play caller in football. Um, And just the balance that they have and, and the physicality with which they play really takes a ton of pressure off their quarterback. So, and, and let's face it, Philadelphia, and I still think, you know, I, I give Philly a lot of grief because, you know, they throw grief at me. Um, but I still think that, I still think that Philly's a really good football team. And that's not indicative of, um, you know, that's not indicative of their football team, what happened last night. But of course, um, don't take my word for it. I'm obviously biased. So uh, they probably <laughs> suck. Um, anyhow, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's just me. Um, yeah, but, you know, I just think San Francisco is really, uh, really playing well. And I think Brock Purdy is outstanding. And I just think the way they, they mesh their run game with their play action, everything is married so perfectly. It all looks the same. And it's more than that. It's the way they mesh their outside zone with their gap scheme. So they can make – you know, they can make an outside zone on the backside of an outside zone. The way they run that block, um, the way they run that combination block on the backside, kind of scooping up to the linebacker, looks identical to the way they run power on the front side and pull a guard around the opposite way. So they've not only been able to marry their, their play-action concepts together, but they've been able to marry their runs together from gap to zone stuff. Um, and make it look identical. And so you end up playing kind of – you end up playing – not trying just to defeat a block, but you end up trying to 
to play against kind of a scheme, if you will, right? And so you're defending everything looks like the same scheme, if you will. And so now you're defending what you thought was a a um, cutoff block on the backside and it becomes a double team on the front side. But it looks the same. It feels the same to you as a defensive player. And I think they're probably better at that than anybody in football. Miami is also – Obviously, with Mike McDaniel being, um, you know, on that staff forever, uh, Miami does that exceptionally well also. So I, I think those two teams are probably the best in the business at marrying their, marrying their, you know, play action to their, their run game, but really marrying their zone scheme runs to their gap scheme runs and making them feel to the defense like they're identical. Is there any reason to think that it'll be a different result if these two teams meet again? You've got Philadelphia right now at 10-2, and two, so there's still a game ahead of the 49ers, so it's a very real possibility that these two could meet again in Philadelphia again. What, what would you tell Philadelphia fan, hey, if you guys are better at this, it'll be a different result? Um. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, obviously, you've got to obviously got to tackle better, and and you can't give up. And this is what San Francisco does so exceptionally well. Um, they they do such a great job of creating explosive plays off their play action game, and I would almost tell you, Mike, that it's probably better to let them gain five or six yards of carry in the run game and give that up. And basically, because you know, you got to make, you got to kind of pick your poison, right? It's the old Belichick. Hey man, I'm going to take this guy out of the offense. I'm going to make you play left-handed. Um, it's so counterintuitive to what most organizations do. You know, everybody says, Hey, we got to shut down the run and make you one dimensional. And I'm almost feeling like this kind of Fangio effect you know, Vic Fangio has had an effect on the way everybody plays defense in this league, but it's almost like, here's what we'll let you do. We'll let you, we'll let you carry for six yards of carry. And then when we get into the red zone, now we'll tighten up and we'll play great red zone defense and we'll shut you down and make you kick field goals. And so it's almost one of those things you cannot, you cannot allow the Debo Samuels of the world or the, or the, Kittles of the world or even McCaffrey's of the world to catch something that's thrown four yards in the air and take it 32 yards for a touchdown. Like that's what you can't allow, but they do such a good job of marrying that play action together and getting you to really commit to doing that. And then they get you over the top. So um, that's kind of, that's just kind of the way they operate. And, uh, uh, you know, completely different from Miami it just throws it over your freaking head because everybody on their team can outrun you. Like that, it's different than what Miami gets you with. Um, San Francisco really gets you with you over committing to some of their run stuff and then getting you in the back end. Final thought on the 49ers, because right now they look like the best team in the NFL. Assuming they have good health, what's their weakness? What's their potential Achilles heel? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Mike. Um, I would probably say defensively it's their back end and and I still think they're really good on the back end but I I would say that that's probably you know when I think of their front seven I think of the way their linebackers run I think the way about the way they have 
you know, seven, eight guys that they can rotate in on the pass rush. I think they're really good there. Um, the other thing I, w- I would tell you is I think that and, – and easier said than done. I think if you can get them into a drop-back game where their quarterback has to drop back, I don't think – I don't think – from piece to piece, I don't think they're great up front. I mean, Trent Williams is one of the one of the greatest players I've ever watched play at any position. He is that good. But I don't think their pieces are necessarily the best in the National Football League. I think when you combine their pieces, they're a really good offensive front. And they're a good offensive front because of the way they call plays, the way they operate, the way they execute. They're smart. They're really good at all that stuff. But if you can get them into a drop-back game, where they have got to pass protect and they're in a bunch of third and seven pluses, that's where I think you have an advantage because I think you can, I think you can get after the quarterback. I think you can get them um, and you can dominate them up front. If you can get them in that game, if you allow them to operate in second down and six minus in third down and four minus you're screwed because they are so, they are so, evenly layered and they and they run so many things they've got by far the best second down and long run game in football Mm -hmm. and they'll hit you they'll get a favorable front or a favorable number count on second down and nine and they'll pop one for seven yards and now we're right back into third down and two and you, you just they're so good you just can't defend them that way so you've got to you've got to be able to get them into a drop back game. If you get them into a drop back game, um, then you take the threat of play action away. Then you have a chance to beat them and you have a chance to get to their quarterback. You mentioned that you watched the Sunday night game. Am I making too big of a leap here by saying Favre to Rogers to Jordan Love? I know, um, I know, but that kid is... Not only is that kid balling right now, but actually they did some nice graphics during the broadcast yesterday that showed that Love is on the same exact pace that Rodgers was yeah. at these different spots of their careers. I've been saying it since last year that I thought Love was going to take over and play really well. And I talked to him last year. I did a game in Chicago. Now, Rodgers was still the quarterback, but I ended up talking to him in Chicago on the field pregame. I've got piano playing in the background now. It's really beautiful here, Mike. I don't know if you can hear that, but... Uh, maybe you might I, want to break into a little piano man. Uh, I'm telling you what, that's little... baby... Hey, what did I say? That's baby making music right there. <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, but I ended up talking to him on the field because I went back as I was preparing for the game, and I went back and just studied... Um, some games he played in early versus the game he played in last year and just watch the grasp of, of what he was doing and, and his knowledge of the game. And you could just tell that he was, he had grown tremendously. And um, I think if you sat him down and talked to him about the influence Rogers had on him and um, the influence, you know, Rogers, um, basically uh, push is not the right word, but encouraged him to really take practice more seriously and to really start doing that. And I, I tell you what, it's uh, it, there's been a big difference in what he's done this, this last three or four games, five games of the season, man, 
uh, he's been pretty special. And again, last night over Kansas City, um, again, really, really good stuff. I, we said it last week that, like, pay attention. Here comes yep. Green Bay. The Packers are on their way, and they're going to be – they're going to be – I don't know that they chase down Detroit, but they're going to be a playoff team. Yep. Level of concern right now over the Chiefs. Something doesn't feel right there. Too much Taylor Swift. You can't – she is <laughs> – um, she's just – she's like Cliff Richard. She's just a devil woman. Yeah. Um, yeah she's the I Chiefs – is she the Chiefs Yoko? Yes, yes, yeah. She she is the Chiefs. <laughs> Can you say that? I don't, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like there. You're right. There's something. There's something askew there. And, and you know, you keep waiting for. You keep waiting for one of these or a couple of these receivers to kind of take over and really, really help this offense kind of achieve that dynamic nature that it's always seemed to have. And um, it just it it really just hasn't. And Travis Kelsey, like he takes over games occasionally, but it doesn't feel like he can take over a game like he used to take over a game, kind of almost at will. It's um, you know, the old what's what's the Toby Keith song? Um, I'm good as I'm. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was, right? But those onces only come yeah. every four weeks. You know, it's and that's tough as you age as a player. Um, but just the the totality of the season takes a you know it takes its toll on you uh, and your body. And so I don't know, they just don't seem to have that same dynamic nature or that ability that when they really need a play, they can make that play. Um, so yeah, I'm concerned about the Kansas City. Well, I'm. You know, am I concerned about the Kansas City? No, I'm not. They've won championships and they've done all that stuff. And so, but if you're a Chiefs fan, would I be concerned? Yeah. If you're, you know, our buddy Nick Wright, uh, who is the <laughs> the lover of all things Chiefs, should he be concerned? Yeah, he should be concerned. Another big game for Dak Prescott in the Thursday night win over Seattle, a little closer than expected game, of course, but still he was he was terrific. Is Dak your front runner for MVP? And if not, who is? Okay, well, I think I think Dak is obviously in that conversation. I think CJ Stroud has got to be in that conversation, not only as rookie of the year, but what he's been able to do uh, in Houston, a franchise essentially left for dead as a rookie. Um, Tua, Tua has been yeah. remarkable, but you know, my hatred of all things quarterback in general, right? You mean, yes. they're not really football players. They should have their own little quarterbacking award. Um, they probably do. They probably have their own little, you know, remember when they split off and made the quarterback club pompous, arrogant turds, right? Like we don't hate the rest of you guys. We don't <laughs> want you to get in on our money. We're the quarterback club, right? All those is my boy Elway and Marino and all those guys. They just split off from the rest of us, you know, because we can make more money without you guys. Well, don't you already make more money without us? Anyhow, so I've never really, I've never really liked quarterbacks um, from that standpoint. What about? I did the Miami game. What about Tyreek Hill? Yeah, Tyreek Hill has got like he is on pace to go over two thousand yards. Now I know that. Uh, that Megatron just missed out at 1900 and change, but he did that in 16 games. 
This is a 17-game schedule. But Tyreek Hill has a legitimate opportunity to go over 2,000 yards. And every time you play the Miami Dolphins, your number one objective offensively is to take number 10 out of the ballgame. And you know what nobody's been able to do? Take number 10 out of the ballgame. I think right now he's got like eight games over 100 yards maybe on the season. He's – he is flat out incredible. And I have probably talked to seven different defensive coordinators over, um, over the last two years. And, and I talked to both Ron Rivera. I talked to uh, Cody Barton from the Washington commanders. Um, I talked to a lot of people about Tyreek Hill and everybody has said the same thing to me. As fast as he looks on film, and he looks fast on film, Mm -hmm. he is the fastest player I have ever seen in pads. The fastest player I've ever seen in pads. Like, you put pads on him, and he just is another, just another gear. And, I mean, he got over the top of Washington's defense. Their whole game plan was, you know, we're going to try to keep people underneath and trail and keep somebody over the top at all times, and we're not going to let him beat us over the top, and you know, when we play man, we're going to play with depth and we're not, he's not getting over the top and uh, hell the first third down of the game, he went 78. <laughs> he was five yards behind anyway. <laughs> you know, it just, uh, the guy's incredible. So um, I'm all for, I am all for, you know, this of putting real football players in the MVP discussion as opposed to quarterbacks. I think real football players should get to be in that discussion. So let me just say that uh, I'm putting Tyree Hill in that discussion. Although this is quite an admission for you, because I know that most of the time you don't even like acknowledging receivers as real football players. So this is a big statement from you. Yeah, yeah, that's normally you are correct. Normally, I don't like to do that. There's a few guys that I that I lift, um, I lift the restrictions on. <laughs> and let them slide under the red ropes, you know. Yeah. I invite them into the. Uh, I invite them into the um, gala, if you will. But uh, dude, he's just like again, he's a dude that everybody has a game plan for. It's kind of like the Mike Tyson thing. Like everybody has a plan until I punch him in the face, you know? Right? It's kind of that thing. The Detroit Lions. Their last four games, they've averaged thirty-eight, or they've allowed. Excuse me. The last four games, they've allowed 38, 26, 29, and 28 points. Yeah. Is that a big red flag for them with the playoffs looming? Sure. Yeah. I think when you look at Detroit, um, they're, you know, a blue-collar. And this is a compliment. They're a real blue-collar team. And I think they're a blue-collar team with incredible offensive talent. Like, they make plays on the offensive side of the ball. I think you can make a very compelling argument that Detroit defensively is from a talent, pure talent standpoint, Mike, they're middle of the pack. And maybe, you know, maybe top of the bottom third of the pack from just a pure talent standpoint. And I'm not being derogatory. I'm just telling you kind of what they are. Aiden Hutchinson is a very talented player. Um, um, but that he's the he's the one dude that you say, hey man, we got to take that guy out of the game plan. And ultimately, like Alex Anzalone is a really really good player. Um, um, what's the kid McNeil in the inside? Good good player. Uh, 
They've got Tracy Walker at the, at the safety position is a good player. They've got good players, but ultimately there's not one guy other than Aiden Hutchinson that gives you pause as an offense. And I always just think about it this way is when you play offense and you game plan as an offense, there are certain guys on a defense that you look at and say, okay, we break the huddle, bam, we got to find that guy, and we have to have a plan for that guy at all times. Now, one dude like Aiden Hutchinson, it's pretty easy. Like, all right, we're going to slide to him. We're going to, you know, we're going to chip him. We're going to line a tie up, tight end over there. We're going we're gonna to use the tools at our disposal to take him out of the game because ultimately we feel like we're pretty confident going one-on-one with everybody else across the board. Now, when you start adding two guys and three guys, that's when it gets tricky. Because then you've got to pick, you know, who's going to wear the hat. Like, hey, one of you guys is going to have to hold up on a dude, right? One of you guys is going to have to hold up on a guy. And now we're going to try to change that hat every play. So we still take out the the top dude. But every play, we try to get a double team somewhere else just to be fair, you know, just to take that, just take some of the onus off your offense. But when you really only have one dude that you're concerned about, life is pretty simple. It's pretty easy. And I think, and I'm not, like, people in Detroit are going to be, like, they get pissed at me and say, hey, man, that's that's not right. But um, I'm 100% right. Like, they have, they have, and they played. Let me just preface this by saying, Dan Campbell has them playing. They play hard. They play aggressive. They are tough. Like, their corners will tackle. Um like I don't have any issues at all with the way they play, but if you're honest and if they're honest, they'll sit there and tell you we're not the most talented football team, especially on the defensive side, on the defensive side. I think offensively they're very talented defensively. I think they they're limited talent wise. Broncos certainly lived on the edge, even while they were winning five in a row. Yeah. The loss to Houston. Does that just, it just shows how razor thin their margin for error and mistakes are. Yeah, it really does. I think that, um, you know, you look at them, Mike, and they're just, they're not good enough to turn the ball over. They're not good enough to take a penalty. They're not good. They're just not good enough to do all those things. And I think ultimately in the, in the world of parody that we live, I think that's most teams. You know, most teams are just not good enough to overcome a few mistakes here and there. Now, there are some teams that are good enough to walk in with some swagger. And, you know, I think I think right now, you know, a team like Miami, uh, Miami is has a minus turnover differential and they're sitting at nine and three. Um, they were I think they were minus four or something going into the game yesterday against Washington. And still nine and three, like they're incredible. Um, San Francisco's got that kind of swag. Beyond that, like I don't know that there are any other teams. Maybe Baltimore that can overcome mistakes and still win. Philadelphia, obviously, until last night. Philadelphia against everybody else can have a few mistakes and still overcome that. Not against the best team in football, they can. But against everybody else, who's kind of fair to Midland. Yeah, they, they can they can overcome those mistakes, but there's very few teams that that don't operate on a razor thin edge um, when it comes to 
mistakes and how mistakes will cost them football games. I want to give a shout out to a couple teams that I, I think quietly have really exceeded expectations and have, have played themselves up into a situation where the, right now they're in the playoffs. And I'll let you take each one, whichever one okay. you want, but the Rams and the Colts. Yeah, amazing. I, I would say with the Colts, let's start there. The value of paying a backup quarterback that can play. I mean, how many teams right now? Hey, um, I mean, Joe Flacco came off the couch mm -hmm. to start a game in Cleveland. How, how's that working for you? Um, and and that was, and I agree with Cleveland, that was their best option to win. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew is a damn good football player. And every time he lines up, he gives you an opportunity. Now, again, the margins are thin, but he gives you an opportunity to win. He's going to make throws, and he's a smart kid. Um and he knows what he's doing. So, like, the value of a, of a backup quarterback um, that, that can really play. And then, you know, in regards to the Rams, um, I haven't done a Rams game this year. But they are when – they, when they have balance – and, you know, Sean McVay got so much run and so much – there was so much excitement about the passing game there. But they were a hard-nosed – hit you in the mouth football team that was disguised as a spread, you know, throw it all over the ball yard team. They've got guys like Cooper cup. Um, what's the, what's the other guy's name? Nakua, uh, Puka Nakua, um, Akuna Matata, whatever his name is. Um, they got receivers that'll get involved in the run game that are physical that, that they got They're They got a bunch of football players. Well, with the Rams, and, and you're 100% right, Mike. They have really kind of pulled themselves off the, uh, you know, off the scrap pile and, and really started playing well down here, or down the stretch here. Yes, that would be um, Puka Nakua. Yeah, Puka Nakua. Akuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Yeah, <laughs> I love that guy. I love that kid. He's so a BYU it's a kid. BYU kid, my. Yeah, so it's a it's a, a fascinating look right now. What's going on right now? We've got some uh, fun playoff races. Uh, teams trying to hang on. Teams making a push. It's going to be a wild uh, last few weeks as we head down the final five weeks of the season. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. There's no question about it. It's great uh, a great time of the year. Obviously, this is where you uh, you know you separate yourself. So we'll see exactly how that happens uh, these last five games. All right, Mike. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Sync Food Podcast, live from D.C., that's me, Mike Piano. Evans. Piano yes, playing. Piano playing in the background. It's beautiful here in the lobby of the uh, Salamander. Uh, I, I highly suggest you check it out. All right, we'll be back with you guys <laughs> later on in the week.